Imagine yourself under a starry sky around the warm glow of the sacred fire as your hosts, Saren Odinson, Jim Two Snakes, and Caitlin Stormbreaker talk about shamanism, animism, books, science, psychology, pop culture, and more. Welcome to a show inspired by those late night conversations by real life spiritual practitioners. Won't you come and join us around Grandfather Fire? It is the harvest moon on gilded veins and roofs of villages on woodland crests and their aerial neighborhoods of nests deserted on the windowed panes of rooms where children sleep on country lanes and harvest fields its mystic splendor rests. Gone are the birds that were our summer guests and with the last sheaves return the laboring wains. All things are symbols, the external shows of nature have their image in the mind as flowers and fruits and falling of leaves. The songbirds leave us at the summer's close. Only the empty nests are left behind the pipings of the quail amongst the sheaths. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Around Grandfather Fire. You're listening to episode number 29. I am Jim Two Snakes, joined by my good friend and co-host and student, Caitlin Stormbreaker. How are you doing tonight, Caitlin? I'm doing great. We are at the very peak of our fall season, so I'm kind of getting brutalized right now by work (laughs) and also beat up by my original teacher who is putting me through the works of a whole bunch of stuff (laughs) that's right back with your uh in with your yoga training again now uh it's more of the spiritual side of yoga that we're going through now right right um less less of the asanas but more of the spiritual practice and kind of sussing out a lot of the shit that's going on in my life and trying to make a (laughs) semblance of something. And it's so, it was so funny. I was thinking about it earlier today. I was like, I have legitimately and literally come full circle on my path Mm -hmm. because she was my very first teacher who kind of awakened my mind to this whole other realm of beings. And now I'm like, Eight years later, I'm back to working with her one-on-one, and I'm like, oh, that's what that means. Gotcha. Yeah. So how are you doing? It is kind of crazy how that happens. Busy, but, you know, that's always the the par for the course. I I realized (laughs) when I was sitting down that we have not uh, done an episode for literally a month. We had a a couple guests that had to reschedule. And it was a month since we recorded our last episode. Can you believe that? I actually can. I was thinking about that. <laughs> and I was really missing you guys because I've oh, really I come it. to enjoy and look forward to uh, these hour, hour and a half episodes that we do. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get a chance to that. hang out nearly as much as I wanted to at Ann Arbor Pagan Pride. but Yeah, I, I heard you had a date night and I hope yeah, that went well. And it you did. Guys it went really great well. Time. It went really well. Uh, awesome class went well as uh, no you attended my class right that's right yeah you were at the back row there i did yeah so, and did it go I, well I did, for you what did you think of it i well i of course am a little biased i've yeah, been well. working with you for how long now um, <laughs> long enough but, for you should be over your bias 
<laughs> no, my bias is actually a lot worse now. I think you're awesome. Oh man. Um, but no, I thought the glass the class went really great. You the structure of it was really well. Um, I wish we had a little bit of a longer time slot for right, it, so yeah. at the end yep. we could discuss a little bit more what went on. But uh, from what I experienced, it was really amusing because you know I work with the same spirits you do, and so Otorongo and Kundor were there before you even called them, and I was like, "Oh, hey guys, what's going on? Like, why are you here?" And then you called them, and I was like, "Oh, that's why. Okay, cool." <laughs> so then I had my spirit animal come in the first time. Mm-hmm. And it was an elephant, and she just sat down and looked at me, and I'm like, okay, well, now you have to go away because you're my ego talking. And she's like, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm it. And you I was like... The, the literal elephant in the tent? Is that what it pretty, is? Pretty much. She just sat down <laughs> and was like, nope, I'm it. This is me. <laughs> and so I went through it two more times, and like, I even asked Otorongo in Kundor, I was like... Are, are you guys going to help me out? Like, we got to get this one out of here. And they're like, no, this is, this is it. This is the one. <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, that was easy. All right. Uh, so what do you have to tell me? And she goes, wisdom without compassion means nothing. Oh, wow. Especially to yourself. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. And being in that it's an elephant, you can never forget that message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would. Yeah, bad jokes, puns. You know, yeah. it's p- part of my routine. No, we so. got to do that. It keeps us, uh, <laughs> it keeps us in, in line, I think. That's right. Not too serious. Well, I'm going to go ahead and let's welcome in our guest tonight. We are really happy and pleased to be joined again by Rhonda Smith. And if you guys will remember, Rhonda was on with Sarenth and I earlier this year. We had a fantastic conversation where we went really deep into talking about shadow work. And it was actually a very popular episode. And Rhonda is back to talk with us tonight about a book that will be coming out very soon. And when you're listening to this podcast, you'll be able to pre-order it still for tonight because we're going to be airing this on the last day of the month. But tomorrow, the very next day, it's available for sale on Amazon and all over the place. And uh, welcome back, Rhonda. Thanks for joining us tonight. So good to be with you. Thank you so much, Robbie. Yeah, I always love it when I get to come back to a show because it's like family, right? Oh, I forgot to mention the, the title. What is the title of the book that's coming out? So the title is The Whole Method. The Whole Method. Yep, it's the method into which we find our wholeness. That's awesome. That's really great. And there's actually no method. It's about us finding our own method, but it's about stopping <laughs> the whole need to have somebody else tell us how to do it and figure out how to do it ourselves. Right? Isn't that vital? I, I, I've come to really appreciate in the last couple of years how important it is um, that we don't need gurus. We just need people to help oh. us ask the right questions. Right. And and, right. That, and, and, and the whole space and to be like, oh, I'm not going to respond to you yet. Like you need to find your answer. Which right. Like you're a teacher. Like, but like my best teachers never told me anything. They just listened and like said, oh, if that's what you think. Or, you know, they not <laughs> oh, really? And, like, is that what you think? The ones yeah. I still see, I like right? That. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. But, yeah, but I think that there's just there's too many methods out there. There's too many systems. There's too many ways. There's too much personal development. I think personal development is what keeps us 
in this like endless loop of like seeking more and that we're not enough and mm-hmm. we need more or have to have more and it's really about finding what's enough our enough number our enough for our lives and then what mm-hmm. you know then yeah, i don't what? know i think then a lot of the I think a lot of the methods that we have nowadays are almost too structured. Like you absolutely 100% have to follow this path step by step. You do this one first and that one, and then eventually you'll reach enlightenment where personal enlightenment is more fluid than that. It's more Mm -hmm. based out of your own thoughts and memories and feelings and to have someone there who understands that and asks the right questions of you. I think is more important, but we don't always have access to that. So the fact that you wrote a book to be a guru, to help people get that there on their own, I think is awesome. That was such a great idea. (laughs) So I am in no way a guru. No way do I relate with guru. Please don't ever call me that. I am just a chick that read the book and would have Billy sit in a circle with you and learn from you as well. So like, that's a big piece of this all. And I think getting comfortable like being in the dark cave and learning how to feel our way through and learning how to hit our heads and you know how to have something bite us and like that whole piece of just like finding our way and tapping into that internal wisdom Mm -hmm. and and you you guys are in a little bit of a different community and your community is a little bit different too but a lot of the communities that i'm involved in are like coming out of tony robbins and they're coming out of all these things right you know i understand that was that was part of our expansion but like it, it isn't about changing state. It's about being present to our state. And it's yes. like, so they're right. And, and we're visualizing people live for a visualized state. People live for an affirmation. I'm like, well, who are you really? Because that's not who you are. You're pretending something mm-hmm. and you're wishing something. So that's a big part of this work for me is really getting people to be present with what is, because my life didn't change with all those things. Like I visualized, I even did a dream, uh, like a vision board, which I, I think is silly now, but, and I don't mock <laughs> anybody who does it. Everybody has their own jam. It just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and then all the affirmations and all the things. And I'm like, I am lying to myself because mm-hmm. none of these things are true. I am not, not awesome. I am not rich. I am not famous. Like and whatever we ask, I am not perfect. I'm not, and it's like finding our way inside of ourselves into those things. So that's what this book is really meant to do. Yeah. That, that is such a, great set of observations too because i think you know for their time like you know 20 years ago anthony robbins and that they seemed so revolutionary to a lot of people because a lot of people had never really focused on improving themselves that same way um but the the problem that we're running into is now it's it's almost like part of the capitalist system where it's always about expansion, 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 growth for growth's sake. And I, I don't think that's a healthy thing to do anymore. No, we have to be able to sit in who we are and like our, our company's called the expanded human. Mm-hmm. But that's not about like it's not about ascending, it's not about just going up. It's about going in every direction, mm-hmm. down, up, out, in all of it right and like it's you know there's a there's a phrase that they use out there if you're not growing you're dying and i think that that is cancer because i feel like people are in this perpetual failure that they can't slow down and when people come to me to have people actually sit with themselves and like listen to the quiet Mm -hmm. do you know many people love to stick in a cabin in the woods for 30 days with like just a notepad (laughs) no books and see like what happens 
Most people would. Beautiful experiment. Now that's a TV show. Yeah, (laughs) I think a lot of people couldn't handle it without the the constant input. Um, A lot of people would struggle with that quite a bit. Oh, not me. I would love it. I would disappear (laughs) into the woods every single day, and they would be filming an empty house. I'd be like, oh, where did she go now? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's being present to sitting under the apple tree, right? It's it's the things that we, you know, and I'm overly connected right now because I'm trying, I'm launching this book, and we're launching so many things, and the output is way like I'm not living the way I say, mm-hmm. but there is a point when we get to charge the mountain and we get to create our things. Right. And then, then there's a point where we get to lean back and like see how it all unfolds. And just like today with the show, I, my router died right before the show. And I was <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I mean, what am I going to do? You know, we'll just keep going. So <laughs> now, um, the word enlightenment was used, and I, I actually I, I want to touch on that a little because I feel like a lot of times, and I think we might I might have talked about this with other guests, but people think that enlightenment is like even enlightenment itself is the end goal. Where I tend to find that something that you get these brief and beautiful flashes of or moments to sit with, but it, but people can't at least I can't just live that way constantly um it's one of those things where you have that revelation but then you have to kind of find a way to 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 live it to earth it to to bring it to fruition well i mean enlightenment is this like new age idea that we're sitting in like lotus position at the ocean and we mm-hmm. have like complete and total divine connection and we're all happy all the time and that's that's just not even realistic. I mean, enlightenment is a destructive process that sheds away the untruths of who we think we are as we like get closer and closer to ourselves. And of course we have to have like waves and peaks and, and, you know, plateaus of time. And I think I came to a big revelation. I don't want to be this ultra spiritual person. Like I want to still be human. Sometimes I want to let my Winnie the Pooh belly out. (laughs) Maybe something that's not good for, for me. Maybe a donut. I don't do it. I don't, and I don't, and I eat very, very specific of my food, but I notice when I'm too spiritual, I'm too on the path, like everything's too clean. I can't handle the, like the resonance of life, the frequency of people, voices, mm. how mm. everything's coming at me. So sometimes I have to create a little bit of a disruptor in there. Oh, interesting. But yeah. Enlightenment. Like, I don't think there's an end goal. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's just a little bit of like, oh, okay, I get to be human again. Let the belly out. Like, just be me. Be, be me. But um, I think that this this spiritual quest is, there's a level of perfectionism. There's a level of like being better than others. There's a letter. And like, we have a lot of really hard conversations that we need to have. Like, we're not in a place like, I have a lot of men come to me. I'm a private coach and they want to, they're bored, they're successful in their life, but like they don't have fulfillment. And that's typically where people are at. Like they've done all the things, they've read all the things, they're gorged in personal development. Mm-hmm. So they're like, wow, this isn't it. And that's what the book is. Like you just see you know, what it's all about and to reach success and significance. And somewhere along the way, you realize, wow, this isn't it. Like I'm not happy, I'm not fulfilled, I'm not being me. Mm-hmm. And it's really finding that that internal wayfinder to really figure out like I don't enjoy what you enjoy 
And the beauty of that is that that's what makes it. And I think everybody's trying to like live for this one dream. And it's not, it's, it's not my dream. And when I finally realized that was, I was trying to create a dream that wasn't mine. I was like, well, shit, no wonder it's not working. Right. Yeah, that makes complete sense. <laughs> so when people have kind of gorged themselves on the on the personal growth path uh, with some of the traditional materials, I, I noticed one of the things in your your bio that kind of caught my eye a little bit was with your new company, the Expanded Human, um, that you're saying what comes next after personal development. And I think that's an interesting question. What kind of venues are you hoping or avenues are you helping people explore with that? Well, we, we, we can't just take out the recycling. Mm-hmm. We, we need to have things on a system scale. Like that's where earth is, right? Like we're, we're in planetary peril. Like we've got some things happening right now that we need to be aware of. And right. if we don't have empathy and compassion, you can't teach that. You can't teach someone to want that. So like the expanded human is really an idea of like taking people into, we have a, a one-year mentorship that's called the inner circle. Mm-hmm. And it's, to really kind of take the leader who maybe is disconnected, has success, maybe has like some connections, but like how the community has, can ripple an effect and, and really, um, I don't like to use the word impact because I don't want someone's impact. <laughs> I don't want, ever want anyone to impact me with their impact. If I like what you're doing, I'm going to magnetically be attracted or connected to you. But mm-hmm. um, So the inner circle is created for, for that person. And then we're going to do a different member, membership for people at a completely different price bracket. We want to offer something for everyone. We have a free community. We want to offer something a little bit more high level and something a little bit high level. So we're trying to hit like all things. But the expanded human is really about what's, your, what's enough for you. Mm-hmm. Like really getting to the point of like this consumerism and need for like significance and more. It's like a rat trap and it just keeps us on this perpetual wheel of like never being satisfied. And Mm -hmm. I have friends who have enormous net worths and, and um, that's not it. And if Jim Carrey, I quoted him in my book and, you know, he says, I hope everybody gets successful and and famous so they can realize that this is not it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's connection, it's family, it's, how we have our, our tribe, if you want to use that word, or the, the communities that we're in. It's how we engage with a sister or a brother. It's sitting next to somebody and by a fire, and listening and sharing, right? So when people come to you, like at what point are they at like in their lives? Are they, are they at that point where they're just realizing this isn't a good fit? Or is there one of those moments of crisis where they're like, you know, they, they, they just lost their job or where, what do you think is like the seed for a lot of those people coming and, and looking for more? Well, in the expanded human, I would say it's simply like, typically like we've done a lot of market research on, on our tribe and like who we're, we're like trying to support. And for women, it's completely different than it is for men. Mm-hmm. So women, she's a healer. She is some type of medicine woman or a medicine person. Um, she's maybe a coach or in, in the realm of wanting to support and help people. She's connected to the suffering that's on the planet. She doesn't know what to do about it. And she has all of these amazing gifts, but like there's still some intimidation or there's still some, you know, resistance into stepping into who she is and her power because typically women need to be in community supported with tribe right. to feel confident enough to do their thing. Right. Like, so that part's really missing. So, maybe the relationship part isn't working or their partner's not showing up or the partner's not wanting to wake up is a factor. And then with our men, um, you know, they've done everything to try and be seen. They've Mm -hmm. done everything to really 
fit in physically. I mean, I, uh, one of my business partners like ran an Ironman just to, to get someone to like him, just to have somebody wow. he like, yeah. Wow. And like, he, yeah, I mean like the level of what you had to do and, and he's comfortable with sharing the story. This is part of his expanded story, but he, he struggled with his weight. So he ran an Ironman. He was still struggling with his weight. Like that never changed. So mm-hmm. what was happening internally, weight's a symptom. Weight is not like something which, you know, we're focusing on weight. If people want to lose weight, it's, it's a symptomatic thing of something else. Right. Right. So like he did this whole thing and then he ended up like herniating a disc in his back and was bedridden and didn't know like how his life was going to be. And he was like 29 right. years old, all trying to get somebody's attention who after the race, like never talked to him again. And it was just fascinating. He's like, I betrayed myself my whole life. And my body was trying to tell me mm-hmm. something my entire life. But I was like making the body work for the head. And really like, that's what it is. So um, our men have had a level of success. They've, they've achieved Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still like now there's a lot of men that come to me for private coaching are like wanting to open up open relationships or like want to explore polyamory. And I'm like, I don't really think that's what you're looking for yet. Right. Like there's work to do before that to even see if you're the person that's open to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, so that's typically a lot of our men or, you know, they've, they've just questioned a lot of stuff. So yeah. So it's a really interesting dynamic um, to see where people are out there and people are suffering. Yeah. People are hiding and people don't know what to do. And, you know, I have a lot of people come to plant medicine, like still seeking. And if you're just curious, you can't come sit in a sacred ceremony. Like it has to be something deeper than just being curious. <laughs> Got that right. We don't have enough medicine on the planet to be just curious. Right. So um, it's, it's interesting weeding out people. And uh, sometimes people, I've had, I had one guy come. Um, if he listens to this episode, he'll giggle, but he's like, I'm coming cause this is on my bucket list. <laughs> and I knew, I knew his past. He had a very, very, very difficult past, um, just incredible trauma. And I said, you would never be here if you were coming for your bucket list. Like I know your life and I understand your history. That is why you are here. Hmm. So it's, you know, and, and everything. And we talked about this on your last episode. Like everyone thinks that like psychedelic medicine is the way. Yeah. And it's the wave. And like, there, there's definitely healing. There's definitely some benefits to it. It helped me in my life in so many profound ways, but it is not for everybody. It is not a long-term path for everybody. And I think that the way it's being promoted out there is dangerous and scary. And um, there's a whole bunch of people that have, you know, they've never sat in a, a plant dieta. They've never sat around a fire and learned any grow. Like they don't even know what a medicine song is. <laughs> and it's like, they're just doing it for profit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're in very interesting times. Yes, we are. Caitlin, when she was describing some of the things that her or the women clients are, are going through, it reminded me of aspects of your story. Can you relate to some of that stuff that she was talking about? Um, I definitely can. And it, it's something I'm still, I, I feel like I'm currently still going through, even though I'm stepping into the more, a more comfortable role for myself. And it's, Mm -hmm. it, it even like, it goes all the way back to before I started my path. I, I grew up in the car industry and the car industry is largely lorded over by men and they think they know everything and they're the cure all be to, to everything auto parts. And I, I fought for years to be recognized and to be noticed for what I knew and, and my abilities in within that company. And finally, one day I just realized 
I don't have to do this. <laughs> this is this is not me. This is not my my job to make you realize that I'm capable of doing whatever it is I need to do. Instead, I just did it. And then when I got into the pagan community, I kind of saw the same nuances, but mm. I was a little more timid about coming forward and just doing because it was a new area. I wasn't a quote unquote expert. I didn't know hardly anything or anybody. I didn't have a tribe in the beginning until I, until Jim scooped up and said, all right, you're coming with me. <laughs> Don't you love the um, scoopers? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, I, I had a quasi teacher a little bit before him and uh, he kind of threw me in the deep end off of a ship in the middle of the ocean. And Jim was like, Oh, Hey, here's a life raft. Come on aboard. <laughs> Let's figure this out. Why not? Um, but pull yourself up. Right. Yeah. Here's right? life raft with the rope. You have to climb into the boat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it, it's been really interesting just seeing the shift of people noticing me, I guess. And I've always been kind of like a wallflower anyway. So I was fine being in the background. I was fine being the weaver of energies off over there that you have no idea what she's doing or if she's doing anything at all. But suddenly I feel better about myself because I walked past her and I'm fine with that. But I've had people, especially at Michigan Pagan Fest, be like, oh, hey, you're that fire tender girl. Like, and I've noticed all these wonderful things about you. And I'm just like, I'm absolutely terrified of you right now because I'm mildly <laughs> introverted. So I'm going to say, run away. It's amazing what happens to our voice when that happens, right? Like it completely shuts down. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of like went away. But um, yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. And one of the things that my teacher, uh, Beth, and I are kind of working on is that aspect. And she's kind of helping me come into my own being and who I am and how she describes it is we are a spiritual being within an animal, right? Our body is an animal. We are classified as mammals, right? And our spirit is just the thing that our animal agreed to allow to accompany it within this journey. And so there has to be that connection. There has to be that balance between the two. While my spirit may think, oh, yeah, you have to work and go to school and gain all this knowledge and do spirit work and have friends and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And have sex and be a partner and cook food and take care of yourself and all of the other things, right? (laughs) Yep. You have to do all of the things all at once. You don't, you, you somehow along the lines get that disconnect between the animal body and the spirit body. Whereas there shouldn't be that disconnect. There should be that connection where they communicate well with each other, mm-hmm. um, where the body says, okay, I can't do this anymore. And the spirit says, okay, I understand. They're there. They're there. I understand. Let's take a break. Let's take a nap. Let's drink a cup of tea. Let's do something that appeases you, the animal body. And so that's one of the avenues that we're exploring with myself. And the the shift I've noticed in myself has been really interesting, entertaining, to say a better word. But mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right? Like, I mean, for me, I go I go to bed, so I have depression, really bad depression, and I have really bad anxiety. So, like eight weeks ago, 
I completely crashed and burned and went to bed for almost three weeks. So two and a half. Wow. Weeks. Yeah. And like, I called my partners. And I was like, remember that thing I said that was going to happen one day. And they're like, yeah. And I said, um, it's happened. <laughs> we were expecting it to happen later in the year, but it, it's happened. So, um, it's, it's really interesting to, to be okay with being an entrepreneur and being all the things that we're creating. And like, right? this is who I am. This is the animal body I've been given this <laughs> lifetime. And I have a very sensitive and unhappy nervous system when I have too much stress. And, and, you know, I, we were talking before the calls, like there's a time when, when we have to charge the mountain. And then there's a time when we just get to sit on the mountain and, um, my, my being is ready to no longer charge the mountain. So this last <laughs> year has like, been that. I'm ready to, you know, one of, I, what I've been kind of forced into, I, I don't know, um, you're in what, Northern California, is that correct? Yep. So you probably don't have the seasons like we have here in Michigan. Oh no, we get we get eight feet of snow. 10 oh, feet do you? Of snow. Okay. Oh so yeah. So one no, of the things I mean, that I've been really forced to learn over the last couple of years is I can't just keep going full throttle all winter. Like my instinct is to really close down during the winter, and my stubbornness has always kept me going through the winter at full tilt ahead. But I'm just getting to the point where you know. Only took fifty years to realize that I need to actually listen to that a little bit more. And yeah, you're right. We can't always be charging the mountain. It just doesn't work that way. There has to be so much of life in the universe is cyclical, and we are part of those cycles. And so that's an important thing to realize. I lived in Florida and Southern California, and I was I was have never been so depressed. Really? With all that sun. No, all that sunshine. Like I never had a rainy day and I never had a day. Like I, I live in one of the most beautiful places in the world and it's near Lake Tahoe oh, and we live wow. in a forest where like 7,000 feet elevation. We get amazing snows and lots of seasons. And I can't, I live here. I spent my time between here and San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay area. And I go back to San Francisco because it gets, it, this place will starve you like no other and feed you like no other. <laughs> But like there's there's only 1,800 people in my town, so I have to go be in like some electricity and city where things are happening and people are doing things and people are curious. And here, it's just very slow. So I very much need both. So I get that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I was as I'm as I'm thinking about your book, I got curious too. So the book that's coming out, what um, what can people expect from it? Like, is it like I've some some books are very much a here's a bunch of information, and I don't feel like this is going to be the case on that one, on yours. And other books have like a real kind of uh, almost workflow to them. Like you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and do that. But that doesn't seem right for the what you're talking about for people finding their own way. So, what can people expect in the book, and how is it kind of structured? Well, I can first say that I didn't, I didn't write the book that I sat down to write. <laughs> so that definitely happened in this process. So um, there's a beautiful story that's in each chapter that really kind of takes you on a journey of my journey. And, you know, it's not specific, but I kind of brought all my medicine journeys into one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and then there's a whole bunch of commentary, which is specific to, you know, what's happening on earth and, what the quest for wealth and riches is doing to our planet right. and right and like where we're at with the deforestation and the animals and and even how we like eat food i mean i i don't 
promote veganism. I was a vegetarian and a vegan for five years, but I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. My body doesn't have the constitution to do it. So, you know, how we create, how we grow food, how we choose food. I mean, what's happening to farmed animals is just, right. I don't think karmically we can ever heal I what we've it. done to pigs and, and cows and chickens. But um, it's, it's being smart. But, you know, part of that book really wants me to have, you know, like I have a friend who is going to create retreats. I'm helping her. I'm coaching her through this right now. But to teach women how to hunt. And mm-hmm. coming from being a vegan to actually going out, like, I need to be able to know how to hunt food. I need right. to understand the process. And, like, I need to be more. And it's really about being more self-reliant. So the book is that. It's how we talk to ourselves when we're in times of pain and discomfort. Like, that's success to me. Like, the conversation you have then. Like, mm-hmm. how much you love yourself. And it's the journey back into self. And I think that, you know, we have a lot of things that need healing on the planet, without a doubt but we can't just go save the world like the world doesn't want to be saved she wants to be loved and the only way for us to do that from a place that's not of wounding or narcissism or ego is to do our own work first Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean like not do anything for the planet but right if we just come at it from where we're at you know there's a lot like i said like a lot of conversations that we really need to be having um, different conversations you and I engaged in one this week right mm-hmm. like it's right, like right. really right like it's just learning how to talk to each other about different ideas and learning how to sit in it comfortably and like to understand we're going to have opposition and different opinions and that that we may not agree all of those right. things are okay right. right but it's we need to sit down at the table of truth and have like some some conversations yeah well and, and like disagreements in that they happen and it's not even necessarily that one side's right or wrong because that's putting way too much value on right or wrong and 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 too much ego into thinking that your opinion is right but it, there is an right. acknowledgement that people have different priorities and that's okay right so your priority what you're concerned with might be different than mine and 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 I have to accept that, and we all need to accept that, you know. And there's one of the things where I, I also think that social media, and I, this is one that I harp about a lot, but it doesn't do us any damn favors because you and I sitting here and we're having this conversation, and I can see your face and you can see mine. We can cover so much more territory in a much more loving and caring manner than we can with just text on a screen. And I, I think I social com- media is doing us a great disservice in a lot of time, uh, regards. There, there, are, there are benefits, which is, as I have friends all over the world that mm-hmm. I get to be connected to. You know, today um, I was able to connect all these multiple channels of people together in this weird way. So I, I hear you. But, like, we started a masterclass series where we're bringing people together in Zoom. Zoom is so magnificent. Oh, because yeah. You know, like we we had a call the other night for men on about sex and relationships. And, you know, women are curious, like men and women aren't meeting right now. Like our growth and our expansion is not happening at the same level. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to watch the energy and, and being that like the, 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 umba- the imbalance. And like Bernard Gunther always says, there's no right or wrong or good or bad. There's only balance and imbalance. And like that part's interesting. So we're trying to bring people together in a kind of face-to-face, electronic face-to-face, um, to start talking about these really deep conversations that 
need to be have like mm -hmm. women under like women are going through this process you know there's a lot of women out there who haven't i don't know if this is okay to talk about in your show i didn't ask you about this before but i'm gonna go ahead and do it and walk for the best um <laughs> we'll just throw it out there and see but like there's a lot of women out there who don't have orgasms there's a lot of women out there who are like kind of just faking this life and like that's not okay with me mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm not okay that we have made a decision of humanity that you know, we have hungry and homeless people. We have made that decision that that's okay. I yeah. could probably stick five or 10 of the absolute best minds I know in a room. And I don't know how long it would take, but I guarantee you they would come out with some type of solution. Mm -hmm. And like, but we got to care to want to have that conversation. Right. Well, I think part of it is that we do have the solution to those. There's just the problem with the greed of money and ownership of certain things. And what we need to realize as humans is that we don't really own anything. We're just taking part in this life. Mm -hmm. We're just here living a life alongside all of these other beings. And until we can heal ourselves, no amount of healing is ever going to come out of that. Yeah. I mean, you can be the greatest environmentalist and greatest humanitarian whatever until the end of days but if you are not a whole person you can only do so much you know you can't be a healer until you've healed and you can only heal what you have healed and i don't even know if there is healed i think there's healing yeah mm -hmm. right like you're right and like i think these things are in this lifetime and i don't know what the word is i need to look it up because i've referenced it a couple times but there's a word that talks about like what this quest is that we're on and it talks about the spiritual quest and we go on this life and then we die and we never really know how it ends <laughs> <laughs> and then we do it all over again and it's like oh my gosh we're working for like an answer that we may never get and then we do it all over again and we do it all over again so i i completely agree like whole people just like relationship that whole term like you're my better half or you're my other half and like there's we have to be whole in ourselves and right. love ourselves like the greatest loves of our lives then we can come together with someone else who's the same and then together you can be in love and wholeness right like there's just there's so many so many things that we get to work on it's a again a very interesting time <laughs> to get to learn and, and walk through this dark cave i i like to think of it as a very exciting time you know, because people are waking up so quickly now, like so rapidly. It's rapid fire. Every now you see so many people like coming to these conclusions of like, oh, my God, there's a whole world out there in front of me. And I've been locked into this tiny device that has all the information I've ever needed on it. But I'm dumber than a box of rocks. <laughs> but now I get to go out and experience this thing called life and it's amazing look at those flowers that's awesome you know and i i used to be very very doomsdayer type mindset but being the more observant individual and actually stepping into my role as a wallflower i've been able to observe people in their mannerisms and how they interact with each other and how they interact with their world in it it actually brings me a modicum of hope and a, a deeper understanding of the beast called human. You know, it helps me to understand that everybody is fighting their own, their own battles and they have their own imbalances that they're working with. And it's so fascinating to see, to avidly watch somebody else go through life and realize that they are living their own 
life and they have their own version of me and they have their own world that they see and perceive and bring in. And then I also have my own world and you have your own world and we all perceive it differently. And that's okay Mm -hmm. because we can. We're allowed to do that. We're not here to be one person on one planet. Right. Like we're here to have all these experiences on one planet. Right. That's the whole, that's the whole idea. It's, it's for me, I went through a lot of um, fear several years ago about like stepping in and waking up to what was like happening here. And then one day I just finally wasn't afraid anymore. And it was essentially like an energy in a human experience having a human experience Mm -hmm. and for me you know I was driving in my car and this is a little bit dark but I was like maybe it's going to take an apocalypse to like get us to love each other okay like okay like whatever and like you say regardless however what I learn in a day is then you chop the wood and carry the water right Right, like you still go do your thing but I think for people like that whole idea of, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my human existence, or am I going to suffer, or am I going to go through things? Well, yeah, all those things are kind of part of the human experience, but <laughs> right. it's really surrender, and surrender on a daily basis. Humility, surrender, grace, mm-hmm. all those things on a daily basis. And, um, you know, like, so much more relief in the body when you can just let go and be like, I'll just go through whatever happens. I'll figure it out, figure it out, like whatever that means. And I mean, some of my um, deepest sacred medicine ceremonies were really showing me that transition of like moving into that new time and space. And they were terrifying for me. So I'm not going to say by any means that that's the progression of as you go into the reality of what is. And then people, we're going to have a reaction. And it's normal to have whatever reaction you may have but getting to a place where we can find peace with it, that this is what's happening and then do our part and speak our voice and say our things and, and, you know, share what's coming through us. And I think that's one of the most important things is that like my Dharma isn't your Dharma. Mm-hmm. Why I'm here is not why you're here. And what's beating on me to come out of my soul isn't the same thing as yours. And it's like respecting that process in each other. Um, Sometimes I wish my dharma were different. <laughs> Sometimes I wish the things that are like beating to come out of me were different, but they're not. They are what they are. So it's just finding surrender in that too. I I can agree to an extent on your dharma is not my dharma and everybody's dharma is different, but I I can also see how people's dharma can align with each other at least for a period of time. Like their goals come together and they can work as two individuals but together on the same path for a short amount of time or even for a lifetime even and and that you would get a sense of tribe a sense of foundation and understanding with other people you wouldn't be totally alone walking this path you would have somebody there that is walking the same path as you even if their dharma is a little bit different Right. And like for my life, my whole existence, especially as a very young child, was like literally clinging on to anybody that I could so that I didn't have to do it alone. Like just 
such terror and such anxiety in me. And really my work this lifetime is really allowing myself to trust in myself, listen to myself and find more ways and time for my path to be more self-guided and to listen to my intuition Um, where others have, you know, they're super independent and they don't have those things. We're all, it's also varying. But for me, if when I was a child, if you had swam back to save me, I would have drowned you because the need was just so intense. Mm -hmm. So that's where like story comes in, right? Like it's like sharing your story. It's like, well, this is who I've been. And this has been my experience. And people are like, wow, that's, this is my experience. And then we care a little bit more. We actually sit and listen a little bit more. Which is what's so great about your show is because it's exactly targeted to sit around <laughs> a fire and have conversations, right? right. Like it's, it's that whole piece. So, so uh, yeah. maybe I might even take a third position here on Dharma. Because I can agree that, you know, your dharma is not mine. And I can also agree that it's it's great. It's a, it's a wonderful thing when I find someone else that my dharma is in alignment with. But can we also say that our dharmas push each other's dharmas around? Like the, the path that you're taking or that you've been put on can definitely affect the path that I'm on. Absolutely. I And I 100% believe that somebody else's dharma can begin a dharma for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like your dharma could create a dharma for one of your students. You pushed them into that dharma. You helped them find that, that life goal or that life path. So yeah, 100% I agree with that. I think there's probably lots of ways to explain it, right? To express it and that's yeah. the, the interesting part about like yeah letting letting what has lied come out so Rhonda would you think would you say that um, and I'm curious the the um, we you know we keep saying that we're living in a very interesting time or an exciting time or transitional time but is a lot of the deepness of the shadows that people are facing both individually and culturally because we're resisting it so hard? Because I've always found with shadow work, the harder you resist, the, the, the deeper and more firm that they get. When we don't listen to the whispers, we get to hear the screams. Right. And that's, that's typically, that was my case. Like, I, I listen. I ignored it to such a degree that, you know, I tried to, and all this have to like take that step and figure it out myself. So absolutely. I mean, the shadow work, my private, my private coaching, I don't have a big line out the door for people to work with me. There has to be somebody who's like <laughs> in dire need and typically ready or their relationship is in peril when they finally come like, I need your help because I don't know what to do anymore. So yes, but that's the call. And it's, I think it's typical for us to ignore the call mm-hmm. because a lot of us live a good enough or a manageable enough life. So it's, you know, it's, it's funny to see how people, and like I work with people, some of my clients have a very high net worth that they have to like lose everything to really finally listen. Like, and any other thing, like, and not everybody, some people listen before, but for some, that's really a big call or relationships or 
you know, and, and typically a lot of those people are being called into some type of shamanic path or work, mm-hmm. right? It, that just seems to be who, who comes from my way. But um, yeah, it's it, this whole time, even who our, our um, government has selected and our president and whatever you believe in, I, I don't really like to be super political, but we, we couldn't have had a, a better way to see the shadow of what's actually happening mm-hmm. than to be going through what we're going through. I think that we would have had on some blinders had it just continued to go the way it was. So, again, not not a choice I would ever choose, but <laughs> right. I'm grateful for, like, the realizations that are happening. You know, that's a, that's a piece. So trying to find something in it that is salvageable and, and seeing. So, yeah, I think there's different conversations happening now for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think that... Um, you know, we're hearing the scream right now. It has never, to me, been so in our face how a very few people are controlling so much. I, I don't think that in my lifetime it's yeah. ever been as evident it is right now how much the 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 quest for money and power has got things so out of balance and that gets us totally away from the the wholeness thing that 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 you've been speaking of you know it's it's those are not the same thing having the biggest bank account is not wholeness no and, and again my, my opinion may vary from yours but esoterically i think that certain families got access to information and knowledge then took that to like create the system. Like I think where we're at isn't by mistake. I think it's more by design. And yeah. now that we're finally waking up to it, it's yeah. It's, you know, you, you look at the things I ate as a kid and like wondered why I was so unhappy. Well, my poor <laughs> belly, I, was, I wasn't eating food. Mm-hmm. And in my book, I call it chow, right? Like it pretends to be food and it makes you feel full, but like there's <laughs> absolutely no really Um, so then we look at you know what we feed ourselves and how we do these things but I'm grateful for them getting to step into this time and to unlearn all of the crap that I learned and so that there you know there is benefit into the part of like I've never been able to have this level of output or to be this like this level of person Mm -hmm. I've never had access to information or trusted myself so much and that really, for me, required me to lay deeply in my shadow. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people are afraid of shadow because it's painful and it's ugly and it's uncomfortable and they don't want to look at it because our main goal as humans is to be in comfort and without fear. And, you know, we have the whole fight or flight instinct for a reason, And usually when you, at least for me, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, when I face shadow, that instinct flares up and it's like instant, all right, my heart is racing, my palms are sweaty, I'm freaking out, like I've got to run or I've got to fight to survive. But once I quell that feeling or at least sit with it and understand, okay, this is just my response to the situation that's going on. I need to observe the shadow and see it for what it is and then make it my ally. I need to figure. Go ahead. 
I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. Sorry about that. It's okay. Um, yeah, we. Are, I think the shadow is our greatest teacher. I think that I mm-hmm. learn a fair amount of stuff when I'm happy and life is joyful, but I, I really believe that the shadow is the teacher. And when we can learn to sit and face with it and feel all of our feels. And, you know, there's a lot of breathing techniques out there. I have brutal anxiety. So sitting in plant medicine wasn't really, and I worked, I did it for several years, but after that I couldn't do it anymore. And I'm a practitioner of a lot of medicines. So that's very interesting dynamic, but when we take in breath and we breathe in fast enough and then we let it out and we hold it, we trigger our parasympathetic nervous system, which helps activate like and help the fight or flight. So like learning all of these things of like, how can I help with a toolbox of my own tools of how to help myself go through a situation? Like that's the gold. That's the interesting part because we're all so different and unique and you know, myrrh, I held myrrh in ceremony with me for three years, which myrrh is like energy. It's like bleach for energy. So well, learning how to use the spirit of myrrh and like now I don't, or to, excuse me, to work with the spirit of myrrh, I don't even have to open a bottle of myrrh, have one in my hand or really even have it in the room with me. I can simply work with the spirit of myrrh and have that same element because, you know, depending upon what you believe, our junk DNA is every living thing on the planet and so we are, we are myrrh. So it's learning how to be those things. Hmm. That was my experience anyway. Hmm. I like that. So it's really, really coming to learn how to resonate well with the sta- the, the, this other spirit that you're interacting with to the point where you're resonating with it so well that it doesn't even need to actually physically be there with you anymore. Right. I spent a year working with Rose. I never really liked roses. My mom was a florist. She loved them. I never really got it. I thought they were expensive <laughs> and they're kind of, you know, whatever. And, and they smell right. But like, I, I really understood. I had some friends that worked with Rose heavily and like there was a frequency with them mm-hmm. and in their medicine and how they sat with medicine that was really fascinating to me. There was like a deep peace and wisdom. So I spent a whole year learning to work with Rose and it really was transformative to me and it really helped me step into my feminine but in this like very confident, strong way and such a beautiful flower. And, you know, we have people who in ceremony pray to lavender, pray to basil, and we have friends that diet all types of plants, you know, master plants from the Amazon. And sometimes they'll do a rosemary diet where they'll sit and diet rosemary for 10 days and do very, you know, very little calorie and all the things just to kind of bond their DNA with it. So, yeah, it's amazing when you think everything has a spiritual nature, so it's not something we eat. I was sitting with spinach today and I dropped a piece of it on the counter and I was just going to throw it away. And I was like, I should eat you like your food. And I don't want you to go to waste. And I was like, well, maybe I should sit with you. So I had lunch with a piece of spinach today as I ate my salad. <laughs> awesome. I like that. I know. But like, you know, I mean, we have this element like when we eat animals, they're sentient. I mean, plants can sense fear like they they know if they're going to be burned they secrete Mm -hmm. a different hormone like there's things that are happening it's just being more aware about our environment and how we feed ourselves and how we choose to be in relationship with all of these things what even strikes me if um there was a, a person that i was talking to recently who was struggling with some diet issues and it kept occurring to me that they were only thinking of it of food as um, how many calories it contained, what his nutritional content was, that sort of thing. And I kept coming back to the thought that if you sat down with it 
and had lunch with it, had treated it as the spirit that it is, you could probably go a long way towards changing that relationship so it, it would be much more nutritious than just food alone. Well, uh, in even looking at it on like uh, like through the chakra system, you know, your root chakra is based on food, clothing, and shelter. And if you suddenly go from having whatever you want in food, having a huge variety of eating whatever you want, mm-hmm. to suddenly a very limited diet that kind of kicks that chakra, the energy into overdrive, telling your body, like, I need to consume more. I need more and more and more because that that resource is now threatened or there's a perceived threat to mm-hmm. that resource. And so there's like a stifling of the energy. And so it actually kicks that root chakra into overdrive and forces you to consume more than what you normally would have if you hadn't have taken on this perceived diet. So maybe even for people who are struggling with weight, making your meals kind of like a ritual based thing where you focus on the food as raw elements and then cook it into a meal and arrange it beautifully onto a plate and sit down, say prayers to the spirits that are on the plate, actually eat the food. Mm -hmm. Don't just mindlessly shove it in your mouth while you're watching TV, eat it, taste it, see what you like about the food, see what you don't Mm -hmm. really take it into your body, really reconnect with your food. You know, that might help. Absolutely. Listening to the body like when it's hungry. And the very first thing we put on the belly every morning is like the foundation of the day. So if you start your day with celery juice, which the medical medium has an amazing book out. Um, I think there's a actress named Maggie O who just created a prebiotic probiotic greens formula. And it's super easy, like put a scoop in a glass of water, you drink it down and like it starts your whole day. Oh, wow. And like, and I'm a person who I'm a, I, I eat cookies when I'm stressed. I eat cookies. I weighed a hundred <laughs> pounds and I weighed 200 pounds. So I'm always like somewhere in the, in the middle. And so like my life's journey of listening to my body and what it needs and how it deals with stress and cortisol has been super interesting. And I found that like the very first thing I put in the belly in the morning, lemon water, celery juice, some type of greens, um, really helps me not crave the same foods. I make different decisions with my foods. So I couldn't agree more. And like tantric eating, taking a piece of chocolate and holding, just to add on to what you had said, uh, hold, you know, rather than just throwing a piece of chocolate in your mouth, chocolate's amazing. I would say eat like good organic chocolate, but rub your tongue against the chocolate, like feel it, like let the chocolate like melt in your mouth and have the sensations. Like this is living, like this is all the things that we're Mm -hmm. like trying to seek outside of ourselves. These are the moments, like you are in relationship with yourself, Only you know what it feels like when you have to poop. Only you know what it feels like, right, when you're going to rub chocolate in your mouth. No, you you really hit me when you said this is living because eating literally is living. If you Mm -hmm. don't eat, you're going to (laughs) die. So you might as well enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And listen to your body. Your body is sacred, deep intelligence. Your body know what it needs. And like, if you're craving chips, you typically are looking for something crunchy. Your body's low in sodium, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you're thirsty, you are way dehydrated. It's way past the time that you should have drank water. So when we're at the point of thirsty, it's too late. Like go drink water and do better. But like for me, I know my mental health is all based in my belly. 
So like what I'm eating, what I'm doing, all of those things. It's like, uh, I've had too much wine and I try and have organic wine, but still, or, you know, I'm emotionally eating, I'm having more cookies and, you know, I, I, I do so much better. I'm so much happier when sugar is not a part of my diet. Quick side story, because that's me, right, Caitlin? The, uh, um, the, the, the enjoying the chocolate and that sort of thing. It reminds me of one of my favorite stories about a pro wrestler of all things. Um, Caitlin, you might've heard this one before when I told it, I, but there was this old story about uh, a wrestler called the ultimate warrior. He just, he lived this, you know, because of his profession and all, and he was just very obsessed with bodybuilding and being in the perfect shape and that sort of thing. And the other wrestlers used to talk about a stories where he didn't want to eat any junk food, but emotionally he knew he craved it. So there was all these stories of where he'd come back into the catering room, catering room and he'd take a cookie and he'd crumble it up and he'd take a big sniff and just kind of enjoy the smell for a minute. And then he'd throw it away and he'd leave the room because he had, he had filled the emotional and the, 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 neurons excited the neurons that he needed to excite to to get that feedback but he didn't actually need to eat the junk food i always thought that was an amusing story and there is some sort of wisdom in there that that i really kind of find fascinating it's really knowing what you need and sometimes you need the cookies yeah so when you eat the cookies try and eat healthier cookies and really like that's like have if you have amazing ingredients in your cookies then and don't ever feel bad or shame your food or as you're eating it you're feeling bad like you're, you're that's like medicine you're putting it in your body mm-hmm. we, you know like make a cookie find out organic cookie there's lots of yummy things out there right yeah never ever ever feel bad about eating the cookie when you need to eat the cookie (laughs) sit down enjoy it and eat the cookie because you're going to eat 12 more after it if you're like man i feel so bad about eating this one cookie like just enjoy that one cookie take small bites enjoy it roll it around on your tongue feel the flavors feel it don't even taste it feel it take it in and enjoy that cookie because you deserved it man everybody deserves a cookie be human. Yeah. Eat yeah. a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of what I was aiming at. You know, it's like knowing what your needs really are. That's a, that's a key part, I feel, of, of, of that holistic sort of approach. And I think it's really difficult for people to know what those needs are mm-hmm. because we have so much, like even with social media or commercials or billboards or ads on Facebook or ads on any social media, really. I mean, they're just like throwing shit at us left and right. And we're like, we don't even know what we need anymore. Mm -hmm. What you need to live and survive is food, clothing, shelter, tribe, and transportation. Those are the things you need (laughs) to survive. Make sure those are all covered and taken care of and then go get your Starbucks. Once you're happy and satisfied with all of this, go buy yourself a new phone if you've got the funding for it. You know, you don't need the phone. You don't need that new desk. If you have a desk that's totally functional, like the one I'm sitting at right now, I bought for five bucks at a garage sale. (laughs) You don't need to be bombarded by all of this stuff that they 
these companies feel like they need to bombard you with. And I, I gave you a book recently, Jim, and I, I'm hoping you've either read it or you don't care that I'm going to spoil something for you at the end <laughs> because ahead. I just, I cannot keep it in anymore. So I gave you this book. Um, it's about the Anishinaabe uh, Manitous and it's all stories of, from the Anishinaabe tribe up north about the various Manitous that they work with and uh, worship and kind of venerate up there and at the very end there is a section on wendigos Mm -hmm. and in our 21st century they believe that wendigos are no longer what they were but have in fact transformed into corporations and into oil companies yeah when i read that it punched me in the gut and i was like oh my god yeah because wendigos Canically or lore and traditionally were once human, they got either kicked out, ostracized, or lost from the tribe, became cannibals, became this needy, greedy, never satiated creature that would rip you out of your home, drag you off into the woods, consume you, and then continue to consume everything that they ever came across that was flesh. But now they believe that the Wendigo as it was is no longer as it was. It is now the big corporate companies because that's how it fits into our world. That's how it feeds. That's how it gets its, its needs, even though it's never satiated. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I was just like, Oh my God. (laughs) But we're rarely satiated. True. Yeah. And, very and true. this goes back to a thought that I had earlier, but wasn't able to get out. The Going back to shadows and how you're talking about that one family and how they got it all figured out. And imagine the shadow that they cast across the entire United States or even mm-hmm. across the entire world and how their shadows, the ones that they are unwilling to face, how those affect us as human beings. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely and right. And that is that is really something to think about because at one point do you do all of the shadow work that you begin to realize that oh that's not my shadow. Mm-hmm. That's your shadow, or that's their shadow, or yeah, that's the collective yeah. shadow. Yeah. I even see well, that I'm, at really low levels. You know, as you know, I'm involved in a couple different. Uh, uh, nonprofits and and some low level government things uh, that I volunteer for, and I even see that on my level. You know, mm-hmm. I totally believe at higher levels there are some f- very nefarious schemes. Let's uh, I'll just phrase it that way. But even at the lowest levels, um, I, I see people's shadows play out, and they think they're making really good decisions, but really they're just following these shadow patterns and creating some really, I mean, I won't call out anybody out by name, but I'm participating in a group that is all about conservation and river health. And we're, I have another board member that will swear up and down that the climate's just fine. Oh. And I find this a little confusing, I have to admit. You know, whether he's right or not, r- wrong, you know, I, I definitely have my opinions on, but it just seems that a very strange place that that a lot of things he's he's will- unwilling to even look at for some reason. It's dissonance. It's cognitive dissonance. It's mm-hmm. We've been programmed to 
fight for this one way. And it's funny, I was like, you're fighting for something you don't even really know if you believe in, right? Like you've done no research, you've gone through some, some meme came across your Facebook. So now you believe like that's the way, or like your dad told you this once when you were six and like, now that's everything. And like, I always encourage people like, don't believe me, go research, research it for yourself, but people Mm -hmm. don't want to like, Mm -hmm. that's work or that's, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. Yep. I wrote a paper years ago for a creative writing class. Um, and it was comparing uh, organic food versus natural food. And I wanted to do organic versus Monsanto. I could find yeah. zero information on Monsanto. <laughs> uh, and I didn't think any, any opposing articles not. on Monsanto were just completely gone, wiped off the internet completely. I was just like, Huh. Well, all right then. <laughs> I know, but they're they're all part of it. Like that's mm-hmm. if you look at that 1984 uh, interview with Rockefeller, who's standing at the Bilderberg meeting, and he's like, "There's too many humans. We got to do something." And that's like when Monsanto went in place. Like, there's a lot of things that went in place right after that. So it's really fascinating to see. And if you watch that, whether you believe in Agenda 21 or not there are some interesting pieces to like some of the content where Bill Gates gets up on a TED Talks and says, this is the equation, folks. There's too many humans. You create too many of this. This is something in this equation has to change and get close to zero, which is us. And like, whether you believe in vaccines being an issue or not, there there's thousands of different ways that we're being, you know, how our dogs laying grass and cancer and like what's in our air. They did a perfect grid pattern over my house this morning because um, we're getting ready to have a, st- a storm. And I do believe in still weather. And I do understand that we're in like, a, you know, definitely issues on planet, but some of it is engineered. Some right. of it is engineered. Well, and like, we have to- I saw an article just today where just a stupid little tea bag, some of those stupid little tea bags, you can get billions of microscopic plastic particles from a bag of yep. tea. And you're like, I'm being healthy. I'm having some nice tea. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're not. Well, and it's like everyone that's on the BPA movement, BPA free is like such a joke because there's a chemical in plastic called BPS. It's way worse for us. Uh, yes. And that's like, yes. And like, so like drinking out of plastic isn't even an option. Like, so if you have a plastic water bottle, please go get rid of it and drink out of a Mason jar. You don't have to drink out of anything expensive, but it's just, it's crazy. And you look at like Hashimoto's and all of the, uh, the thyroid issues, that's all coming from like, it's not all, but a lot of it's coming from plastic. Right. And yep. so it's just like, we have to be more aware and clean. Like I have a bamboo straw, right? Like trying to be out of my glass with my lemon. And it's like, it's a lot of damn work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of damn work. Well, I, I, I don't want to keep you all evening, although I certainly could. But I and just want to remind everybody yeah. to that uh, go out. Uh, go to Amazon and and put in your order right now for the whole method book, which is going to be coming out. It rolls out October 1st, and you're going to have a lot of really great information in there on how to find the wholeness in your life. That's what we've been talking about this entire episode, how to make your life more whole and complete for yourself. So it's the internal validation that you need and, and how not to be that Wendigo yourself. So how to, how to find that wholeness. So Rhonda, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And I think we're going to have to have you back on one more time, at least sometime in the near future, because we're going to have to take the deep dive into some of the conspiracy stuff. And and I'm going to air quote the conspiracy because we all know, some of it is is definitely real but i think that you and i we need to have a conversation about how to have those conversations 
I think that's a beautiful conversation. And if you want to check us out, go to the whole, go to the expanded human, H U E M A N dot com forward slash truth and join some of the stuff that we're doing over there. But I would love to sit down and, and learn how to have a conversation. And that's me learning, not necessarily you, but how to have these deep conversations so that we can, you know, learn how to learn from each other, take the pieces that work for ourselves. Oh, trust me. I need to learn too. That, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. Perpetual student over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, me too. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a blessing. And I really appreciate what you're doing in the world. And for, I don't know, just the, the medicine aspect of all that this is and all that you do is like really, it's, you know, it's just, it's, um, it's peaceful. It's grounding. It's important through all of these crazy chaotic times. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Take off the dawn.